Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened and tired. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I am tired with this coronavirus. It is very emotionally, mentally exhausting. Do you agree? I do, and I think that the polarity right now is so, so, so extreme, and we're all swimming against the current as strong as we can. Yes, and we're all having issues adjusting to this new norm, which I think will be our new norm for quite a while. We are recording this right now with Zoom, and I think every teacher across the world is using Zoom, so we've had a lot of issues connecting. So if we have any audio issues in our time together, dear Enlightened Empath listeners, please be patient with us. We are trying our best. We just wanted to check in with you guys this week and just kind of talk about what's going on in the world and how can we relate to it as empaths. I heard the coolest thing last night. Carolyn Meese was ta- did this little video and she said, we're entering into a stage of choice and inner decision making and that so much of what's going on is reconnecting ourselves on a soul level. And she wasn't being airy-fairy woo-woo or click your heels together, optimistic, but it was very, very much that bringing through that this is, this is happening to all of us. This isn't just one demographic. This isn't just one country. This isn't just one part of the world. It's all of us, and there's never been, even though we've had world wars, we've had other issues that have impacted, this is literally one of the very first things that has had such a global impact with such intensity. I know, and that is... Oddly comforting and frightening at the same time. Yes, but it's also, uh, I loved, loved, loved when she said, entering a stage of choice and inner decision. Because so much of the way we're navigating through life right now, trying to navigate and trying to balance and and trying not to become so overwhelmed with with all of the, the news feeds and the media blasts, it's about coming back to who we really are. And how can we help each other get through this? Yes, exactly. And I think what we as empaths need to do is try really hard to be patient with ourselves because we can, we can feel things more than the average person. We all know that, but we can physically feel things like Denise, the weirdest thing happened. My neighbor was having her house power washed yesterday and the hum and thrum of the machine was really bothering me and I could feel it. I could feel it reverberating throughout my house. And it's not like she's, you know, it's not an apartment. It's not like I can reach out my hand and touch her wall. It's, you know, further away, but I could feel it. And I asked my kids and none of them could, and the noise didn't bother them at all. And I thought, oh, this is just another empath thing. We can feel all of this anxiety. We can feel all of this tension. We can feel all of this yin-yang conflicting energy that's going on in the world right now. And so I just think we need to be as patient with ourselves as we are hopefully being with everyone else around us. That's a beautiful, beautiful point. And you're you're spot on with the, the extra sensitivity to sound with emotion. And even going into, I went in the grocery store yesterday, and I am, I'm being, I am isolating, I'm being very selective, I'm in a rural state and I'm still I don't want to be Typhoon Mary if I am asymptomatic to be passing that on to someone else who may not have the physical reserves to fight this off. And 
that's just my own aside. Some people don't feel there's quite this severity. As there's another part of being an empath, I don't want to be responsible for anybody else's illness. But I went in the store, and it was um, the, the word you used of pulsing is so so accurate because the energy in there was just pulsating with with fear, with anxiety, with lack, with insecurity. And I went outside and I sat in the car for a minute. And I thought, okay, you need to let that go, Denise. You need to step away from that, clear it off, go home. Have you found that when you've gone out in public? Yeah, a hundred percent. And what you know what else I have found? It's it's kind of like a fun little experiment if you need to try it. I have had to go to the store quite a few times during this quarantine because of my parents. My my mom, if she they are on the, all these different medications, if she gets below ten pills, she'll have like a panic attack. You oh. have to go to the pharmacy. I I'm running low. They're gonna shut down. And of course the pharmacy my mom uses is uses is Walmart. God help me. So I've had to go to Walmart a couple of times and I'm shocked that it's always crowded. I'm like, people do not listen to the news. But but then there I am at Walmart complaining that people are at Walmart. So there lies the rub. <laughs> so anyway, I have noticed if I'm feeling like anxious and tense and oh my gosh, this is really scary. Walking through Walmart, I will experience people who are angry, tense and fearful. But if I'm having one of those days of chill out, Samantha, this is really great. There's so much positivity here. Your kids are home with you. You're having so much downtime, which isn't really true. But if I keep telling myself that, I feel it will become true. And I start to feel like positive and uplifted and hopeful. When I walk through Walmart, I meet people who are super kind and generous and sharing the aisle. So sometimes I wonder if you know, everything we are experiencing is just a mirror of what we're feeling in these heightened times. Yes. And there was a little girl riding in the cart yesterday. I was in the vegetable section and this little girl and she was playing with some beads and she's probably five. I said, oh, those are beautiful beads. And her mother, God love her mother, looked just so overwhelmed and tired. So I was just chatting from a safe distance because I know I honor my social distancing. And I said, oh, those are beautiful beads. And she picked them up and she said, look, they make a happy face. And I just giggled and I said, I think we all need to have beads to make a happy face at each other. And she said, they don't make a frown face. And I said, Aww. no, they're happy beads. And she was just this effervescent, beautiful little girl who was playing with beads, who was being joyful. And I thought, we need to tap into that because that just, that even gives me willies because she was just right, normal day at the grocery store, going to sit in the cart while my mother throws groceries in. But she was just, and, and it was funny because as I was walking through the store, I'd come around a corner and she'd say, oh, hello again. And then she'd make the happy face with the beads and we'd both laugh. And it was, it really brought this beautiful light into the day that could have been, I have to get in here. I have to get out as quick as possible. What if someone touched something? It, we need to tap into that somehow. I agree. Before we tap into all that positivity, <laughs> can I complain? <laughs> <laughs> no, we really do want this to be a positive and uplifting show. But I have to say, when I was getting ready to record this morning, I got a little nervous because... One of my complaints about this pandemic is the polarity that I've seen. And so I'm kind of afraid to say anything. 
Mm-hmm. I keep encountering people who are like, it's barely worse than the flu. Calm the hell down and go to the grocery store. And then I keep encountering people who are like, it is evil and sinful and should be a crime if you leave your home. And so, I don't know, it's so all over the place. It's, it's making me feel nervous to say anything. It's mirroring the political situation that has calmed down immensely because we're focusing on this now. Yeah. But it's that same polarity. And we've talked about this a lot, and it's come up on other shows. That's becoming, has been, what i building for a while now. The light getting lighter, the dark getting darker, people choosing sides. And you can look at any of the major issues, whether it's climate control, the political situation in the United States, you know, global economy. You look at any of them, and there seems to be a stronger and stronger divide between people who are pro or against, think it's real and true, or think that it's all made up and foolishness trying to be controlled. Again, we, we chatted about this yesterday. It's been coming up for both of us in readings that people have been having this sense of fear-based anxiety, doom and gloom. I have to make the most of my time left on the planet. Was that all a precursor to what, where we are now and this polarity that we were tapping into that collective energy and sensing something's coming and we really need to make this conscious choice? Am I ready to, to do this from a place of light? It goes back to that choice again, where we get to choose. Are we going to rise to this occasion or cave? Yeah, I think that's very, very true. You know, I love all my little alien information and conspiracy stuff. It's just very fun to dabble into that. And I can't remember which UFO researcher said this, maybe Grant Cameron, but one of them said, if anything like that ever did happen, the one positive thing it would do is it would bring the whole world together. And he kind of joked and said, maybe that's what the world needs to get rid of this political crap is a common enemy. And when I heard our president say that on the news, we have, we now have a common enemy. I was like, Oh my gosh, whoever thought it would be a virus, but maybe that is a positive that's coming out of this, that it'll, it'll start to help us all unite and and come together in better ways and not focus on the nitty gritty of inner political fighting. Who knows? I I think it's yet to be determined. And I do tend towards optimism. And that's our show next week. We're going to talk about optimism and pessimism and realism. So that's kind of stuck in my head too. But what I was thinking about is this, I literally cried when I read this. There was a post that someone had put from China who said, I'm hearing the birds and I looked up and the sky was blue and it's been so long since I've seen a blue sky. So one, another thing, and I believe this in my core and I've talked to other people about this, that the earth needs to heal right now and it needs to heal environmentally, but it's all, it's also interconnected with as the earth is trying to heal and purge these toxins and we've had to slow down. We've had to stop. We've had to give the, cha- the earth a chance to breathe. We're also with, uh, as a, a culture, a society, a world being forced to slow down. It's mirroring that for us. Slow down. Take a breath. Reassess. And I think it, doesn't it feel all interconnected? Yes, it does. And I do have to say that this is the one aspect of this pandemic I have kind of enjoyed is waking up and thinking, 
you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to be anywhere. You don't have to. That, that pressure of have to is kind of gone right now. And it, it's made me reflect on, on how much of my go, go, go is kind of an illusion or self-imposed. I don't know. But just looking at my calendar and going, oh, I guess I can erase that. Nope, not, not doing that. That's canceled. There's kind of a relief in that, which makes me feel like maybe the earth is making us all pause, not only to replenish herself and her resources, but to give us an opportunity to replenish ourselves and our resources. And it's bringing people back in unity. And this touched my heart so much. I was reading, they do, uh, in Maine, they do a CDC report every morning and afternoon. Uh, and so I watch them to see how many cases, where it's happening, what's, what's going on, just to be aware, not to be jumped down the rabbit hole with that. And it was really getting pretty intense. And this woman I used to work with, who is sweet as a button, she put on Facebook, like right out of the blue, it popped up. I'm getting ready to go to the store. Does anyone need anything? And then she tagged all of these older people in the community that we both know. And she said, you know, so-and-so, do you need anything at the store? Can I stop by the drugstore for you, so-and-so? I mean, she just, and I, it just twisted things for me. It just flipped it. And I thought, that's what we need to be doing. Yeah. This is a, an amazing, amazing opportunity to come back together as people, as humans, as kind, thoughtful, considerate people. You know, I checked in on my neighbors. I checked in on an older man that used to come into my classroom just with that offer of, if you need anything, I can drop it off in your driveway or on your stoop. That's coming back full speed with people are opening their hearts trying to help each other. Oh, and just driving around because let me tell you people, sometimes that's what I do when I need a break from my teens at home. I get in my car and I'm like, got to go to the post office. And I just drive for about an hour. And driving through the town alone is lovely. But I'm also seeing all these kids outside and these parents and they're riding their bikes and they're playing and they're throwing balls and they're playing basketball. And it's just so nice to see that. Our doorbell is ringing. My kids are teenagers. And yesterday, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old rang our doorbell and said, do your kids want to come play? Oh, it was so sweet. And I had to go to the, um, the vet yesterday, of course, and pick up Lily's medicines. And it's not too far from my house. And I said to the girls, let's just walk there. I, I need all of you to come, though, because I, you know, I need help with the dogs and carrying her special dog food and her medicine home. And, and they burst into laughter. And I was like, what? what's so funny about going for a walk with your mom? And they showed me all these TikTok memes. Apparently, all the kids are making fun of us parents who were like, family time, family walk, family journey in the park. <laughs> but that's what we did, and it was very fun. But you're right. More people outside. Now, here, the governor has been really pushing, get outside, get fresh air, socially distance. They opened fishing season a couple weeks later, which again goes back to the polarity of some people are saying oh my gosh this is an opportunity to get outside to go out in the woods to find a creek to go to a lake well the lakes that the ice is out of or, or whatever and start fishing and other people say that's going to really impact the, the spawning and the, so again the polarity of 
this is trying to get people to find something healthy to do so they don't go stir crazy inside. Yeah. And there have been a lot of positives that have come out of this. Okay, my favorite positive, I think, that's come out of this, China has made consumption and trade of wildlife illegal. You cannot now hunt, trade, or consume wildlife in that entire country, which I think is pretty cool for the animals. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be good that will come out of this down the road. Like I read a, an, an article that said um, experts are saying that this is going to lead to a rise in telehealth care, you know, meaning like more and more people won't have to go to their doctor for like a quick you know how sometimes like I have to go to the doctor every year just to get my little slip that says I can have a mammogram mm -hmm. and it annoys the crap out of me because I got to, you know, schedule a whole time and wait in the dark just to get that slip of paper. Now they're saying that type of stuff will probably be a thing of the past now that we're learning, oh, wow, we can actually do this from home. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a push for universal family care. I think after the wonderful things we have seen and learned to appreciate about our cashiers and servers, I think we actually could see a rise in the minimum wage after this. Do you? I do. And that is, again, back to the double-edged sword of it's a, we need to pay people a living wage. We need to pay people. We also need to find a way to do this that doesn't completely decimate small businesses. I ride the middle rail on that one because I can see the pros and cons of that. And I'm not advocating for below for substandard wages in any way, shape or form. But I think people need to be able to support themselves and not work two, three, four jobs to try to meet their needs and their children's needs or to have a roof over their head. So in that respect, yes, but I think we need to also have supports in place for small businesses to be able to offer that to their employees. I, I agree. I agree. And I think that as we move through this, we're going to see at least a push for some of those shifts to start to take place. I'm hoping that our government can come together and come out with a relief package. I know it's been voted down twice as, as we're recording this, but I'm hoping that comes because, you know, as much as I try to focus on all these positive things, I mean, Looking at those pictures of the clear water running through Venice, I just wanted to cry thinking about that and thinking about, um, I read an article that said air pollution is the lowest levels it's been in years. It's mm -hmm. down 50% from last year. And I was like, gosh, these, you know, this is good. Like good things are going to come out of this. And then I lay in bed at night. I've had a very, very hard time sleeping throughout this process. Like I do fine during the day. And then I climb into bed and I think about all the people that are worried about how are they going to pay their bills? What are they going to do? Will their restaurant hire them back? Will their restaurant be able to hire them back when things do return to normal? I think about people that are in those situations where their marriages are imploding and there's, they feel stuck right now. I think about children who love school because it's a safe outlet for them. And that's gone. I think about people in domestic violence situations, and I just get very anxious and nervous. And, and on one hand, I feel very powerless, like, what, well, what can I do? And then on the other hand, I'm like, well, there's a lot you can do, Samantha. You know, you can pray, you can light a candle, you can set up your crystal grids, you can contribute to, 
domestic violence shelters. You can keep donating food. You can go to small local businesses and at least buy gift cards so that they have money now. There's a lot that I can do. But in bed at night, I, I don't know. I just, I worry a lot about what certain people in, in our world are going through because of this. You know, I don't, I don't think everyone's in a, in a crisis, but I do think, like anything, the good and the bad times of life tend to shine a spotlight on issues the magic of an ordinary day can gloss over. Exactly. And one of my big concerns, we live in a rural county and food insecurity for a lot of children is a very, very big issue. And the school district and surrounding school districts, I mean, they're making bag lunches, they're making bags of food to send home to these kids, and the, the bus drivers are delivering them. So the whole school staff, the whole culinary staff at the school, are spent, they're full speed out. And I think last week they were saying they were putting out about 600 meals a day. And they have drop-off points at different parts around the county where, where kids can go and get food. And that's huge. That's looking out for each other. And I, I listened to, well, the, the main CDC guy was talking about, will Maine go into mandatory stay-in-place stay order? And he would compared it to Manhattan. And he said the island of Manhattan has 1.7 million people, which comes out to 73,000 people per square mile. He said Maine wow. has 1.3 million people, which comes out to 43 people per square mile. And I started thinking one of the walks I take is from here down to the end of the road, and it's, it's exactly a mile. So when I'm just looking to, to pace myself, that's a good walk. And I thought, oh, dear God, how could you possibly fit 73,000 people from here to the end of the road in a square mile? Wow. And it, it, that's surreal. When you think about that lifestyle that people are living, where they really don't have the... I mean, we, we all saw, God love them, the people singing off the balconies in Italy, which was uplifting and beautiful and community. There's not the option in that type of a, a situation to, to get out, to go walk in the woods, to go into a grocery store and know you can keep your social distancing. Exactly. That's huge. I know. Did you see um, one of the, if you guys need a laugh, Jimmy Fallon hosted, I, I only saw one show online. I didn't see it on TV. So I don't know if he's doing it every night or not, but from his home and he had his kids write all like the promo openings and he had his daughter play the music instead of the roots. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he interviewed, um, oh gosh, who's the guy who wrote and performed in Hamilton? Oh, 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 I can see his face. I can't Me too. He's so amazing. Well, him, that wonderful man whose name I'm forgetting, they had him on and, and, and he was on Zoom from his apartment in, in Washington Heights. And I thought, this is so wild. Like another example of coming together. But there he was in his, it looked like a normal apartment in Washington Heights. And he's just got his piano and his kids there and, and just doing it. And I thought, you know, people are just so resilient and amazing. And we're all just trying our best to keep on keeping on. And, you know, Jimmy Fallon's still making us laugh. And we're all just trying our best. Have you seen quarantine karaoke? No. That's a huge thing here in Maine. Someone in upstate Maine uh, 
came up with this. And there's, I don't know, close to 80,000 people on this now. And people will just get on and do, they'll sing. They'll just sing or they'll perform or they'll whatever. And it's fun and it's uplifting and it's community. That's been uh, the, the entertainment industry, the music industry, you know, people who provide that service there. It's, this is completely skewing so many things in our culture of what's important, what do we need, but there are still people who perform, who sing, who raise the vibration through that. That's their passion. And the fact that they're finding a way to get online and still share their gift and their energy is so, so, so wonderful. Oh, I know. After Patton Oswald saw the, the viral video of the people in the balconies in Italy, he was like, well, I'm a comedian. So he went out in his balcony and started doing stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw this great post and it said, all of the museums are open for free on the internet. You know, the opera, the Met, they're, they're releasing all of their music free live. Audible is offering free stories for kids. If you go to stories.audible.com, Yale University has released a ton of courses free online, the ballet, all these things. And, and the post said, the arts are important. And I think this quarantine is going to prove that. And maybe next time when they're threatened to be cut from budgets, we'll think about how much we relied on the arts during this time. And it won't happen. That's a very, very good point. Now, can I speak to the parents? Please. Because it's not easy. <laughs> no. And it's, I, I think it's incredibly hard. My heart goes out, especially to parents of young kids. When we were taking our long journey to the veterinary office yesterday, we walked past this neighborhood and there were these kids in the backyard playing. And you, I couldn't see them. There's all these trees, but I could hear them. And one of them, I guess, pushed the other. And I heard this dad come outside and say, stop it, stop it right now. And you could hear <laughs> everything in that stop it. You know, I could hear that he wasn't a bad dad, that he wasn't like going to go hit them or anything. I could just hear the frustration. And, and I said to my girls, I don't know what I would do if, if we were going through this when you were babies. When my kids were little, as long as I took them out of the house at least once a day, if we went to story time or we walked around the aquarium or we went to the park, they would be fine the rest of the day. But they needed that one outing to get all that energy out of themselves. Mm -hmm. And to think that parents aren't having that right now, I, I think that's got to be really, really, really hard. And I know with, with my kids being home and having the school, and especially one of my kids is in private school, which is way different than when you're, because in public school, everything my older two are getting, the teachers have to say optional. They have to because 100% of the kids don't have access to internet and computers and all of that. So my older two kids are like, well, mom, this 98-page chemistry packet is optional. I'm like, the hell it is. It ain't optional for you. You know, like you're doing it. <laughs> And my youngest daughter, because it's a private school and they have all been given a Chromebook, they're expected to be in school. Their quizzes and tests, they have to take them on camera. Wow. It's, it's intense. And I don't know if it's, you know how sometimes private school parents are like, I'm paying tuition, so I need to get my money's worth. 
I don't know if it's that pressure or if the teachers are just really gung-ho, but she has more work to do in one day than my other two combined. And it's frankly driving me crazy. This is eggshells on the floor with where I'm going with this. I was a teacher for years. I have worked with some of the most incredible, incredibly gifted, devoted, inspirational teachers all over the country at all different te- at all different grade levels. Their heart was in it. They were doing that because that's what they came onto the planet to do. Equally, as with any spectrum in a demographic, there were some who were just kind of kicking up their heels and floating a little bit. And the cynical part of me worries that some of the kids that are getting blasted with homework, it's so that some teachers want to make sure parents know that they're doing more than what might actually be going on in the actual classroom. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't, that was, and you notice I did not cuss one time in that, even That's though that was good. the tip I'm of my proud. tongue. Uh, but I think that there's an anonymity to education in the sense of you can know what's going on, but not entirely. And now this has opened that door into what some teachers may be actually doing or not doing. Right. I also think teachers are being put under an inordinate amount of pressure from their principals. I know some of my teacher friends, their principals are making them post like 30 minute, like eight hour, 30 minute blocks of everything they're doing. Yes. And one of the teachers got so mad. She typed in her pee breaks because she was like, well, if you want to know what I'm doing minute by minute, here's what I'm doing. Between 11.45 and 11.50 a.m., I am taking a pee break. So I think that micromanaging is, I I just think it's hard. This is new territory for all of us. We don't know what the heck we're doing. God knows I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And Another really, really good point is the the teachers that are full-time teachers that also have their children at home to teach. So they're trying to navigate, how do I work full-time taking care of all these kids that are stuck at home? and fully teach my own children at the same time with what's coming in from their teachers. There's a woman here in Maine, I love her dearly. She's a young mother. She has three daughters. Hi, Jen. And not our Jen, the astrologer, another Jen. She posted something last night and she just was saying that. She said, I'm trying to take care of my kids online and make sure they're okay. And I'm fielding emails and things from the principal and all of these other things. And my daughters still need they need me to be their teacher, their mother, their friend, their cheerleader right now. Yeah. My thin eye statement, I'm so fed up with these parents on social media who are posting these ridiculous like chalkboard schedules. In our family, we wake up at 7 a.m. and we start with an hour of yoga. And then I make fresh fruit smoothies from fruit I have grown in my own strawberry plant and blueberry trees. And from there, we do math. And now we're outside digging in the garden. And this is our, oh, it's like, shut it. Just shut it. I love this. I got a call yesterday with this same conversation. And the woman said, I just read this post. Burned brush, check. Clean the gardens out, check. And and I laughed and I said, put my pants on, check. And I... (laughs) Shut my mouth. Check. (laughs) 
I think that there's this, that's great if you're able to, to embrace this and kick ass and take names with what you're getting done. But for those of us who might be dealing with this situation a little bit differently, please be kind to yourself. Yeah, because here's, here's a day in my life. Normally, my kids wake up really early, which I have to be honest, it kind of annoys me. Like on the weekends, my oldest sets her alarm for 8 a.m. so she doesn't waste her Saturday. Oh, and I'm okay. like, girlfriend, chill. You're a teenager. Sleep in. Well, now they're finally sleeping in. So I have this problem every morning. I get up early. I always get up early because it's the only time I have alone in my house. And then 9 o'clock hits and then 9.30 hits. And I'm like, shit, Samantha, like, I think you should wake up your kids and get them started on all this schoolwork. But then I'm like, well, you could have another hour at peace and quiet. So I've been dealing with that. Like, how strict do I be and how much do I let them sleep in? But when I let them sleep in, then they don't start their schoolwork till 12. And then we break for lunch and then we break for to walk the dogs and then a neighbor will come by and then I'll make one of them come with me to my mom and dad's. And then, so then it's like five o'clock and I'm, I've got to start dinner. And that's when the questions start. My kids think I am walking freaking Google. <laughs> they do. And they get mad when they realize, huh, mom isn't Albert Einstein reincarnated. Chloe comes up to me yesterday at five o'clock, just as I'm like sitting down to make my bracelets and try to think about what the heck I want to cook for dinner again. And she goes, mom, what are three reasons that Darwin's time in the Galapagos Islands taught us about the theory of evolution? I'm like, um, honey, can I, can I look at your Chromebook? I, I need to look at the notes because I, I, I don't know that. Oh, forget it then. No, no forget it. And she walks away. I'm like, um, I'm not just walking around with Darwin facts tumbling out of my silver tongue. Like, I need, <laughs> I need to see your notes. And there's no textbooks anymore. And it drives me freaking batty. I have been spending, no exaggeration, about two hours every single day watching YouTube videos on <sighs> quadrant angles, I don't know, all this algebra geometry crap. If you want to know how to find what X equals on a parallelogram and parallel lines and isosceles triangles, apparently I'm your girl. But I don't want to be your girl. It's annoying me. Very, very hard. Okay. And, and that this is really important because you are Googling, you are trying, you are you're learn, relearning this so that you can teach it to your children so they don't fall behind. There are a lot of people who don't have that skill set. They may have different strengths and weaknesses. That's my concern as well. That God love you. You're spinning that the woman I mentioned with the three girls, she's going to make sure her girls get as much as the kids that are in her class. You're doing the same thing. You're still running a full-time business, which is already crazy trained with how busy you are with that and teaching three daughters. So the kids who don't, and there's been concerns come up about the legality of kids who are identified or are in special education. How are their needs being met? How are we going to fill this? What are we going to do? So if you are feeling overwhelmed or I don't know how to do this, I don't, and you don't feel like you have resources, 
I think it's equally important right now to make sure your kids feel safe, they feel secure, they know that they'll get through this. That's so, so, so important. I agree. And, you know, I don't, I don't think any teacher that I know is going to go, you didn't get this in by midnight. I said this was due Friday at midnight. F for you. I, I think teachers I are going to be very patient and understanding as we all figure this out. And that's yeah. one thing that is calming my heart because I can get tied up in all that crap that comes with being a parent. And I, and I do, I have thought, oh my gosh, like my kids are going to be so behind next year. And what happens when Tori takes the SAT next year? And, what ha and, I, and I get all like spiraled up. And then I thought, wait, this pandemic isn't happening just in North Carolina. And all the kids in the Northeast are going to kick ass on the SAT next year because they've been in school this whole time. This is happening everywhere. So right. we are all going to be behind when the school year hopefully starts next year. Give us time to reassess what works and doesn't work in so many parameters of our culture and society. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we're seeing, you know, the, the best and, yeah, sometimes the worst in people. But I think for the most part, we're seeing the best that's coming out of people. We are, we are coming together. We are trying. We are reaching out and connecting with each other. And, you know, we are really and truly having that pause button that I think we've all been secretly praying for for a long time. People advocating for stores to be open that first hour just for the elderly yeah. and people with health conditions. That's huge. For people not to be hoarding supplies and making sure other people have access to them. That's huge. People are donating to food banks. They're checking on neighbors. They're exactly what you're saying, helping to navigate. Well, but there are some really incredible... I think I saw Joanne Fabric has this deal where you can get in touch with them, and they'll give you pre-cut fabric and elastic to make masks. So if you sew and you can go to the store, they'll bring them out to you. You can bring them back and, and leave them. So I was reading that a little bit because I thought, oh, I love to sew. Maybe that's something I could do to help. And then they, I read another article that that's good for some places, but in true medical facilities, they're not able to use those because they don't have. But if that's something that's at a loss in your community, of, of, you know, face masks for people or maybe making the masks for people who have uh, infirmities or whatever. There's so many ways we can help each other get through this. Yeah, I agree. And even just small things, like if you are a social media person, maybe don't post that fearful post. Maybe look for positive things that you can share on your page to just keep spreading the light and positivity. Like there was this adorable story about these children in Australia who filled up a wagon of toilet paper and they delivered it to the elderly in their neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I do have to say I am down to four rolls of toilet paper <laughs> and my neighbor came over with like a plate, like a cake plate with a, with a roll of toilet paper on it. <laughs> and I seriously think it's the best gift I've gotten in like a really long time. Um, but I also read that Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds donated a million dollars to food banks. And yeah. Sierra and The Weeknd 
donated a million meals to Seattle's Food Lifeline. I think that's so cool. Oh, and my sister, Courtney, she teaches at um, an at-risk school. And so she's super worried about her kids being at home. And some of them are, you know, home alone because their parents have to work. So she is posting a YouTube video every day because she was like, you know, my kids don't have computers. And, but she thought, wait, all my kids' parents have a cell phone and YouTube is on all their cell phones. See, so I she's, love that. I know. I and that. she set up oh. the cutest little reading corner in her house and she'll read them a story. And um, her class is called The Persistent Pineapples. And so she'll always say, good morning, my persistent pineapples. And she oh, just talks mommy. to them about what she's doing. Her, she had her husband play the guitar for them one day. And, and then, of course, her principal was like, this is lovely, Courtney, but we don't have copyright permission to share these stories. And I'm like, son of a bitch, are you serious? Hey, I don't agree. Oh, my gosh. Giving those little babies a lifeline. I know. It's so cute. They're commenting. and Anyway, but Mo Willems and um, Patricia, I think it's Polenko. A lot of children's writers, J.K. Rowling, are going online and saying, teachers, you have my permission to read and share my stories. Right. Which and I think is awesome. I'm trying very desperately to wrap my head around anyone going after a copyright in this I know that we're in right now I know me too um oh the other thing I read Uber Eats has waived delivery fees for independently owned restaurants that's incredible I know like there's such nice things that we can do Louis Vuitton they transformed their all their perfume factories to make hand sanitizers I think a lot of other companies have done that I think Hanes might have done that there was a brewery that oh, was Oh, distilleries, that was it, yep. yeah. And I think that's fantastic. So, you know, cables, a lot of cable companies, even the one in my town, which, uh, hello, shocking, are offering free Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. Zoom has been great upgrading, you know, any hobbyist to a professional level and offering free Zoom for teachers. It's huge. So it really and that comes back to stepping away from that fear-based mentality and trying to be proactive rather than reactive. Yes. And if you're feeling, because I did a couple times, I've really read too much, followed too much, stressed myself out, worrying about might, could, should, would. That's a really fine line for us as empaths. Really, really fine line. So what did you think about the Sylvia Brown Remember, it was in her book that she predicted this? No. I, I read the, um, who's the author who wrote that a virus would happen in 2020 from Wuhan in his 1980-something like, fiction novel, Dean, Dean Koontz. Yes. And but I haven't heard, what, what's the Sylvia Brown one? Let me see if I can find it because I, want to, I don't want to misquote it. But she wrote in her book, End of Days, and someone, I think there's a, a person who is one of our faithful listeners who mentioned it on the Facebook page. So Sylvia Brown wrote in her book, The End of Days, in around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived attack again 10 years later and then disappear completely. So of course people are bashing this. Was it 
a prediction? Was she really psychic? All those things. But it's pretty amazing that she nailed 2020 because this book was from way back. It's not a new book. That really is. I've been so on the fence about Sylvia Brown because I just felt in her later days, she got a little proud of herself. But <laughs> that's very amazing. That really, really is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that the lasting effects of this are going to be incredible. You know, as, as a history lover, I always find comfort in looking at how we dealt with things throughout history. And there's really nothing to compare this to. I know we had the Spanish influenza in 1918, but even then we didn't know as much as we know now. Like I was trying, I'm so shocked that, you know, masses are canceled everywhere. I mean, our church is locked. We got an email from the priest that said, if you want to come pray, you can sit outside in our rosary garden. And I was like, well, dang marriages, weddings, baptisms, all the sacraments are canceled. And I was trying to research when is the last time the church like locked its doors around the world. And even in the Spanish influenza, that didn't happen because we didn't know all that we know about social distancing. And so I do think that's one thing that's interesting about this time is it really is unprecedented. But I do think back to other, I don't know, if, I, I don't think similar is the right word, but other world events. I mean, we all got through World War I and World War II. We did overcome the Great Depression. We did get through the Spanish influenza. We did survive 9-11. Well, not sur that's a bad word because a lot of people didn't, but you know what I mean. We've gotten through very, very difficult events that have impacted the whole world. And I do think out of all of those, we've, we've become better and stronger. The thread that is throughout all of those is that we did it with a sense of unity, caring, and connection. And that's the key. And one last little tidbit is this woman I was speaking with, and she said, this is that last step before we step into the fifth dimension. We're transforming. We're getting through this sludge. We're getting ready to move forward. And if you look at the time periods historically after those major things, it was a time of uplifting. It was a time of getting back on your feet. It was people pulling together. It was strengthening. And that's what's coming after this. And my soul, I really believe that. This too shall pass. We'll get on the other side of it. We'll hold together. And, and it will be time to rebuild and go forward. Yes, I agree. Now, we're not going to become the coronavirus podcast. <laughs> no. I think it's really important that we you know, just keep on keeping on. So we're going to resume normal scheduling, normal shows. So as Denise <laughs> said, next week, we're going to do our show on um, optimist versus pessimist versus realist. And we also have some wonderful guests coming up and of course, our monthly community connections. So we're just going to try to keep our podcast the way it always has been just hopefully uplifting and inspiring and authenticating and empowering empaths. But we would love to hear from you guys and, and how you're doing. Just if you have a perfect chalkboard schedule, I don't want to hear from you because I'm not doing this <laughs> homeschooling parenting thing perfectly and I don't need to see people who are. But otherwise, we would love to hear from you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's just, you know, this is all a learning curve for all of us. And I think those of us who are empaths, we need to be extra vigilant to take more of a pause in our day to breathe to connect within 
to do some cord cutting from all this angst around us, to drink a lot of water, and to pray and to ask for that help and protection. So as always, don't forget to show up, share your light, and do good work. Just show up in, you know, a socially distanced way. (laughs) (laughs) Take care.